Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16, and we'll get into the Word of God. It's just the presence of God has been wonderful today. It just, it is right now. I just feel the presence of the Lord that is here today. I don't know how and what direction God wants to take this message, but I know he put it on my heart today. Because people are searching, people are looking for something, and you know, uh, the statistics that are coming out right now on things like Twitter and Facebook are unbelievable. They are incomprehensible. Uh, there's movies out now about this incredible phenomenon of social networking. People desiring to reach out and to connect. And people desiring to, to connect to something to be heard, to be understood, to be able to share things. And yet when we really look at the word of God, we will discover that the church is the original social network. Amen. If we do church right, we meet that need. When we do church wrong, we don't meet that need. And you say, what are you talking about? There's too many churches where that it's more of a concert hall than it is a church. So what are you talking about? Man, they, p- people come in by the thousands on Sunday morning. They hear paid, qualified, talented musicians sing beautiful, anointed songs. Amen. They listen to a 15-minute sermon. Uh, you know, they have, they, have, they have communion. And then they leave. And they come in strangers and they leave strangers. And that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is relationships. The world says it like this. It's not what you know. It's who you know. There's only one question that's going to matter when we stand before the Lord. Only one question is going to matter. Do you know him? Not have you heard about him? Is he on your friends list? Does he get your tweets? Do you get his? What matters is do you, do you know him? Are you in an up-to-date personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And let me tell you something, what does that mean anyway? Because there are a whole lot of people that are out there that they are walking in the spirit. I mean, they have breakfast with Jesus every morning over cornflakes. They talk about their day, but they have nothing to do with the church And yet, as I study the word of God, I find that the church is the body of Christ. As Pastor Caetan said, the church is the gateway to heaven. If we're born again, we're born into the family of God. Have you believed that? Have you believed you're born again? Come on, I want to see the hand. Have you believed you're born again? Listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then this is important for you. Because... Listen, going to heaven is not about church membership. In John chapter 3, Jesus makes this statement, except a man be born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. You're not in the kingdom because you go to church or because you're a good person. You have to, according to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, come to a point and a place in your life where that you repent of your sins and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
you answer the call of God, the call of Jesus, just like when he walked by the boat that day and said to Peter and John, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Amen. When that happens, you become born again. And the first thing we do after we're born again is we get baptized in water. And water baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. When we're baptized in water, we are buried with Christ. The old man is now dead and we are resurrected a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so being born again, it's not, it's not a process. Uh, uh, it's not something that's happening over a long period of time. It is a moment. It is a point. It is a place Amen. Where you have come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are transformed from darkness to light. And at that moment, you are eternally and forever changed. Now, someone said, well, pastor, that sounds like unconditional eternal security. No, you still go to hell as a rebellious son. You go to hell as a prodigal. But you're not going there as a heathen. Because you, you can never again claim that you do not know. Amen. You may rebel, you may backslide, you may lose out, but you have still been eternally changed. Even, when, even if later in life you come back to God, you come back as a prodigal son returning to the Father. Have you understand that? That's why the Bible says, he that, he that sinneth unknowingly shall receive stripes, but he that sinneth knowingly shall receive many stripes. That's why the Bible tells us that we can't return back to who we were before. We cannot do it. Doesn't mean we can't lose out with God. The Bible clearly, in the same passage, if we read a little further, tells us that people can become apostatized. Literally turned over to a reprobate mind and lost because they're so deceived. Now, it's important that we understand how we become part of the family, but even, but even more important than that, that we understand the value that God places upon the family of God. I want to read something to you that is directly sharing with us God's opinion, God's passion. And I love the way that it's stated here. It says in verse 16 of Proverbs chapter 6, These six things doth the Lord hate. So we're really going to get some insight into the Lord. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Or as we would probably say, the seventh is an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and then finally the seventh that he's so passionate about, he goes beyond the word hatred and says, it is an abomination. He that soweth discord among brethren. Now this gives us a little insight into the value that God places upon family, and in particular, brotherhood. Now when I was growing up in church, as a term of endearment and respect, everyone was brother or sister. Now, that's for some reason become religious to honor people. And so, you know, now the teenagers go around and say things like, uh, hey, Joe, how you doing? Talking to someone much older than what they are. Hey, man, how many of you are old enough that that still kind of flips you a little bit in your stomach? 
You know, when the young people are talking that way to the older people, hey, Joe, how you doing? It's like, it's Mr. or Mrs. Hey, man, when someone, you know, one of these young boys, uh, Brenda, what? What did you say? Amen. We still have that little sense of respect. Now, if someone does it out of religion, then shame on them. If they do it out of respect, then thank God for it. Amen. But that's another example of us throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Because some religious people did it and did it in a religious spirit. We just threw it out. Uh, But the Bible does tell us that we're to greet our brothers with a holy kiss. And even tells us to call one another brothers and sisters. The Bible, the Bible instructs us to do that. Why? Because it's a term of respect and endearment. As a matter of fact, I noticed that Dog the Bounty Hunter, everybody's brother. Yeah, you've never seen that show because y'all are too spiritual. But anyway, but I always, I always like it that before they go in and cuss the guy out, they pray first. I don't know, that just fascinates the fire out of me. It's like, how do you do that? I don't know how you do that. But anyway, you know, I guess they're just living in their level of revelation. I'm not trying to cast judgment on them. But it's everything's brother. Hey, I'm your brother. I mean, they've even got to where when he says it, they spell it wrong. Because he says it that way. That's the big thing, you know, the brotherhood. To try to create that level of covenant and respect. You see, the enemy wants to do, I think, two things. Amen. He does something called um, desensitizing. Uh, This is very common in warfare. In warfare, there's always a propaganda campaign. I've always fascinated. Anything has to do with the propaganda warfare that's been perpetuated throughout history. I mean, uh, many people remember in Vietnam the uh, the famous woman on the radio uh, who would constantly uh, give disinformation to the soldiers in Vietnam. Well, that was not only something that happened. Uh, Hitler did the same thing. Well, America did the same thing. We went into places and passed out. Uh, propaganda flyers and so forth in various countries before we begin to bomb them. That's always the case. Well, you know, the devil does the same thing in spiritual warfare. And part of the purpose of that propaganda is to desensitize the people. Amen. To raise the level of tolerance of the people. Hitler was a master at this. He raised the level of tolerance. I mean, he, they started out by vilifying the Jews. And, and, and in, in the beginning, they were political cartoons. In the beginning, it was political cartoons. Then it began to become political speeches. Then it began to become policy. And there was a systematic discrimination and they constantly desensitized the people to the Jews. They vilified the Jews. Pretty soon, I mean, when they got towards the end, the Jews weren't even really people. They didn't have a soul. Have you understand what I'm talking about? That's a plot of the devil. That's what he does. Well, he does the same thing with words in the body of Christ. Like he tries to get everybody saying hell all the time. People are going around saying that, every little thing. You know, damning people to hell. 
cursing and using the terminology hell. Why do you think the devil does that? And they joke about it on, on, on TV all the time. I remember seeing Sam Kinison in a, in a skit on TV. Uh, he had died. I mean, the man was dead. And in this skit, a guy was playing Sam Kinison's first comedic concert or, or, or a show in hell. I mean, think about how sacrilegious that is. The guy's dead, and you're not only saying he's in hell, but he's about to do a show in hell. Why would the devil do that? What's the purpose of that? To desensitize us till pretty soon hell is a joke. It's a byword. It doesn't have any power. It doesn't have any meaning. If you don't believe me, tell somebody you're going to hell. What are they going to tell you? I don't believe in hell. That word doesn't have any power anymore. Why? He has desensitized them. You know what? The devil's doing the same thing with that term brother. Everybody's your brother. Hey, brother. How's it going, bro? How's it going, brother? Well, listen, some of these people, I don't even know these people. How can they be my brother? I don't even know them. I'm not even in relationship with them. I just met them. Why are they my bro? They're not my bro. I mean, what is the purpose of that? The purpose is to desensitize, to take the power, to take the force out of that word. Because let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, we are a real brotherhood. By every definition, because we are in relationship through birth. We are in relationship through birth. You were born into the family of God. That makes you my brother, whether I like you or not. That makes you my sister, whether I like you or not. That's the wonderful thing about it. Isn't that the great thing about family? And isn't that the worst thing about family? Is what you got, you got, and you can't change it? You born with it? I mean, that's the best thing about it, because thank God they got to love me. Come on, am I right? Ain't nobody going to visit you in prison but family. You go to jail. Listen, the only one going to be there is mom, dad, maybe a brother. Maybe if you was close to your cousin. That's the best hope you got because ain't nobody else coming. Because your friends, when you got friends, you just make new friends, don't you? See, when friends give you problems, there's an out. But family just keeps showing up every Thanksgiving. No matter what you do, here they are. Somebody gets married and they show up. It's like last time I saw you, I said, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. And then here you show up at this wedding. And I'm the preacher at the wedding. And they're always telling me, you got to watch. you got to watch because those two, there's an issue. And I'm just saying, keep an eye on it. Like, what am I going to do? I'm up there with everybody else trying to do the program. And funerals are the worst. Oh, dear God, help us at the funerals. Keep in, and they come up to me, the preacher, and I don't know. You know, I may know one person, you know, one, one wonderful, loving person who's nothing like the rest of these people goes to my church. And so I'm at the funeral because nobody else knows a preacher. You know, that's the truth. And then they all come up to you like you're the referee and the security guard and the policeman. Hey, don't let Uncle George drink. He gets crazy. 
okay, great. Who's Uncle George? But you get a glimpse, but listen, no matter what, doesn't matter. Crazy Uncle George, doesn't matter. Crazy Cousin Lou, doesn't matter. They're coming because they're family. And when they're family, you can't get away from family. They just keep being your family. They do. They just keep being your family. They just keep doing it. And if you don't, even if you say, well, I'm never going to be around them again, there's always some family member that's always saying, you know, you need to call them. You need to call them. You need to build a bridge. You need to let that just go. That's old, that's old water under the bridge. Y'all need, you know what I'm talking about? Am I telling the truth? I mean, that's the way it is. You just, family is family. You got it. And none of us would pick our family if we had a choice. If God took us in his little time machine and said, this is exactly how it's going to be. None of us probably would have picked our family. I mean, let's just be honest. We'd make some adjustments here and there. Now, I'm not saying we'd trade the whole baseball team. But if there's some free agents out there with some talent, (coughs) we would make some adjustments. And yet, at the same time, the bottom line is that some of these very people that are in your family that irritate you, that maybe don't share your faith, they don't share your ideals... They don't share your principles. They may not even share your lifestyles. If they called you, you would be there. That if they were, if they were opening up their heart for surgery, you'd be in the waiting room. Even if it's across the country. And you know why? Because they're family. And despite everything the devil has done to destroy family. It still means something. Despite every demonic, satanic relationship that he's tried to say, that is a family. Well, you know, I remember the Baptist minister called me and said, if you're not aware, over here at the elementary school, they're having all the children read, Sally has two mommies. Sally has two mommies. I I wrote a song that says, Sally has two mommies. I feel sorry for her. She'll never know the joy of being daddy's little girl. See, the world's trying to redefine family, but despite what they've done, there's still some of us who grew up in a home where there was enough enough love from somebody. You know, it doesn't take every family member, but there's got to be just one. If there's just one, that loves you like a family member should, you will value family the rest of your life. And see, what I'm trying to tell you today is that God values family. God said, you know what's an abomination to me? Somebody that comes between brothers. A matter of fact, in the New Testament, the Bible says to mark those who sow division among you. It's the same statement, more or less just being regurgitated through the prophet as instruction to the church because if the devil can divide us, he can weaken us. And see, the problem with the modern church is we have restructured the church to create friendship. And yet the church isn't built on friendship. The church is deeper than that. We... 
are born into the church. And so everybody of common interest who like to do the same things all get together and do what they like to do, and they call that church. That's not church. That's called a fraternity. That's the same structure that the Kiwanis Club is on. That's how the softball team operates. People that share the same interests, have the same hobbies, like to do the same things, are about the same age or are looking for the same thing, you know, singles ministry. They're looking for the same thing. They can get together and they can fellowship. But see, the church is supposed to be deeper than that. One of the great mistakes that the church makes is that we, we segregate our church by age. And so we are subject to the same generational gap that's in the world. Well, I'm not getting a lot of help today, but this is really good teaching. I hope you're listening. Say, what are you saying? We need the older to be in fellowship with the younger. Amen. There needs to be opportunities for them to intermingle and to intermix. And there's time that men need to be with the young uh, teenage boys in the church and work together side by side. That needs to happen. Amen. That's one of the problems that we have in our structure today. When we were an agrarian society and everybody grew up on the farm, you had three or four generations on the farm that were together. But the thing we do today is we separate them all. And grandma and grandpa go to Florida. And mom and dad live over here and we live here and and pretty soon it's all separated. And the kids go to camp and the kids go to class and the kids go into their own service. And before we know it, the kids grow up and don't like the church that they're in because they don't do the kind of music they did in the youth service. We can't figure out why we're losing a generation. It's we're advertising and celebrating something that we don't do ourselves can't tell you how many pastors over the years have complained to me that said, man, they got an on fire, up to date, modern youth service going in the back. And then when all the kids grew up, became 18, 19, 20 years old, they didn't want to go to their church. It's quiet in here. How do we defeat that? Other generations defeated it by the fact they worshiped together. And they celebrated and valued the same thing. Not a musical style, but musical doctrine. Is it what we believe and is it imparting truth to us? Is it real worship? Well, that's all that matters. In a culture that values worship, style is secondary. You're not helping me, but that's what we try to do here. We, don't, you, you, we might rap one Sunday and sing the doxology the next. It just doesn't matter. Hey, man, what's important is worship and praise. In a culture that celebrates good doctrine. When I was growing up, songs was all about the word of God. You could get more Bible in one verse than some people. You know, nowadays I have to be careful because I don't like any song that you can take out Jesus and insert the name of your lover and it's okay. Oh, it's quiet now. I think that, 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 that songs need to be sacred. Amen. They need to they need to exalt Christ as King and as Lord, and be careful not to debase Him. Amen. And try to humanize sacred things. My God, back in the day, you could just pick any song you wanted to, and it was full of doctrine. Living, He loved me. 
John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And dying, he saved me. And buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Freed me forever. One day he's coming back. Oh, glorious day. My God, one little song, one little chorus of a song. And we have the death, the burial, the resurrection, the justification of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the coming back of Jesus. My God, we're preaching the rapture. And that's the culture that we need to celebrate. But I want to get back to this thought about family because when we're born into the kingdom of God, I mean, it's like saying, well, does that mean that I'm kind of stuck with, with everybody? Well, where, do you, where are you going to go when you die? Well, it's quiet in here. I, maybe I'm just going to give an altar call right now. <clears throat> Y'all act like that's a trick question. <laughs> I see that hand. I see that hand. Y'all need to be ready to meet Jesus up in here. It's not a quick question. Where are we going? We're all going to the same place, baby. If you know Jesus, we're going to the same place forever. I said forever. Some of you scared to death right now. Oh, dear God, I could be getting up on the same street as pastor. Yeah, you're going to be my neighbor, brother. I just want to prophesy that into your eternal future. You're going to be my neighbor. I mean, that's, that, 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 that's the thing that, that we're missing sometimes. We're missing this point that, that we're family. We're born again. We're, we, we've been born into this thing. I can't help it. I know that, 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 that brother over there is crazy. I know he is. I saw the way he was praising the Lord this morning. He's nuts. White people can't dance. Thank you for trying, but not, just. I mean, you saw how I danced this morning. CGI video, baby. That's all we got. That's the best we can do. But that's okay, you know, because he, he's, he's my brother. He's my brother. See, I've learned to value family, learned to value long-time relationships. We're too quick to dismiss people who are there as an agent in our life to bring us into the image of Christ. Maybe it's an uncomfortable relationship, but guess what? I value that which transitions me towards my spiritual destiny. If I get around a bunch of people and everybody's like me, then nobody will challenge me. There ain't nobody there saying you could do better, you could be better, you could, you know, you could be, no, 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 no. We want to surround ourselves. That's one of the problems we have with people in the church today. They want to surround themselves with people who celebrate them and tell them how wonderful they are. And listen, if everybody thinks you're wonderful just the way you are, then what motivates you to change? 
But see, family tells it like it is. Family will just flat tell you like it is. There's a relationship there. We need a culture in our church that values family. Amen. Because the good news about family is, is that, yeah, they mess up. Yeah, they get on our nerves. Yeah, they can be odd. They can be strange. They can fall short. But they're still family. And see, the good part about all that is one day it might be you that's falling short. And it might be you that's going through a midlife crisis. And it might be you that's acting crazy like you never acted before. And they're still going to love you and reach out to you and try to understand you because they know we've been born into this thing together. I mean, think about that. God said it's an abomination to sow discord among brethren. Not just because of family, but because there's power in unity. What are you saying? The Bible says if any two can agree upon any one thing in this earth, it shall be. My God, if we can just come into agreement, if we can just come into agreement, if we can walk together in agreement, we can accomplish anything. If we can have a unity that's deeper than our own personal wants and desires. See, that's the thing about family you know, I, I mean, Hollywood's made millions always, you know, showing these movies about family. And there's always somebody in the family that's just no good. And, and they show up when dad dies. And yet by the end of the movie, they turn around. And they come back to their roots and they do the right thing. And they bring back what they stole or they step in. How you know that's... Isn't that the storyline in Hollywood on all these different movies? I mean, why? Because there's a power in family. There's a power in being connected to other people's destiny. You know, it used to be the family name was everything. You held up the family name above your own hurt. I mean, if you had to take a hurt in order to protect the family name, you did that. Amen. Because you would not smear that name. That, man, that name was everything. And we've been entrusted with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's an empowerment that comes in family that I can't get through casual relationship. Say, what are you talking about? In other words, my ability to live as God wants me to live requires intimate relationship. See, the only reason some of you are drifting and backsliding, it's because you've pulled away from the relationships that require more of you. Boy, it's quiet in here, but you know what I'm talking about. You're backing away from the people who expect better things of you. Oh, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear that all the time. You don't want to hear it because it's truth. Somebody stand there telling you something that don't convict you, don't bother you at all. I looked at someone the other day. I just looked at the table at the restaurant last Sunday and they came up and said, Pastor, what was that look about? I said, I got something in my throat. I said, but if the Holy Ghost is working on somebody and dealing with you about something, just go on and repent of it now. Just go on and get it right before Jesus. Praise the Lord. Don't don't let me quench the spirit. What did you think that look was about? What do you think I saw when I was looking into your soul? Because I just was clearing some phlegm, but I think the Lord's working in the look. Praise God. That's what we need. We need people to challenge us. Somebody that looks at us and says, listen, you're better than this. 
There's an anoint, there's potential in you to touch heaven. I mean, you got an intercessor, prophetic anointing in you that you ain't never even tapped into that if you could just grow a little bit in God and get some of this flesh out of your life and begin to walk in the spirit, you're going to see some things. See, we think we're getting a deal on heaven, but what we're being robbed of is God wants heaven to manifest now in our lives. The power and the glory of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is available now. We think we're getting a discount on eternity when actually we're being robbed of the potential to walk in the glorious adventure of the Holy Spirit. Man, when you begin to walk in the spirit like they did in the book of Acts, life is an adventure. Just any day you can walk up on someone and say, silver and gold, have I none? I'm sorry to tell the prosperity preachers, amen, that that verse is in there, but they did not lie. They said, silver and gold, have I none? But such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the, and the dunamis, the virtue that was in Christ Jesus that flowed into them on the day of Pentecost came out of Peter's hand into that man's hand and quickened his feet. His crippled bones began to pop and his legs began to be strengthened where there was no muscle, where there was no nerves. God created muscle. God created nerves. And he leaped to his feet, praising God. And that's available for us. That's not some special one-time thing that happened a long time ago. That's available for all of us. And see, when we connect together, people begin to challenge us. They, hey, where were you at Wednesday night? I knew it'd get quiet on that one. I, I waited for it. Dramatic pause. Where were you at? A Wednesday night. Well, you know my favorite shows. Aren't yeah, you got a DVR. Push the button. You ain't fooling nobody. You got TiVo. You got something by now. You got a VHS player. You got something. That ain't an excuse anymore. Man, technology keeps going the way it is. We'll just have to serve God the way he said. We don't have any excuses anymore. We can watch what we want when we want to watch it. Where were, where were you? That's the question. Challenging. I guess I wouldn't really want to hear that if my desire was to be something less than what God called me to be. But if I'm running to the high call, pressing towards the high call of God, I need people in my life that do that. I need... Man, you know, talking about preaching positive, you know, if we would begin to develop the right relationships in the body, it would loose me. I'm doing your job this morning. Iron can sharpen iron. Just as a friend can sharpen the countenance of a friend. Iron can sharpen iron. Real relationship in the body of Christ I think would loose me to talk more about vision and more about deeper things than to get up on Sunday morning and tell everybody, listen, we got to be faithful. 
man, it's really quiet now. Jesus, I know you're still here. But for some reason, people can't sense your presence. They've become dull to it. Sharpen us. Awaken us. See, because let me tell you something. You, you, you can't. You can't bear one another's burdens on Facebook. You can't get real on Facebook. Ain't nobody talking about I got a porn problem and I don't know it's going to destroy my marriage if I don't get the victory. Ain't nobody talking about that on Facebook. Ain't nobody talking about there's a new man at work and he keeps coming on to me and I'm starting to dream about him and think about him. And I don't want that to happen. That, that ain't going to happen on Facebook. You know, when you got a real secret, you don't tell anybody outside the family. Amen. I'm preaching now. And I'm challenging every one of you to get out of this friendship mode. And get into the spirit of adoption. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of bondage again under fear. But of adoption. Recognize we've all been adopted by the same father. Amen. We're all part of the same family. That means your problem is my problem. Am I my brother's keeper? That was the question that condemned Cain. To be marked and sent out alone. Marked and sent off by himself. Think about what a judgment that was. There's only one family on this planet and you're out. There's still only one family on this entire planet and you're out. Because you don't get it. You are your brother's keeper. Your issue is my issue. Your problem is my problem. Your struggle is my struggle. And if you succeed, I'll succeed. If you do great things, I walked into my father's church. It's been a few years ago. There were several articles in the paper from the Shepherdsville paper about things that we had done. And they were on his bulletin board. You know, we had put the sign up on the property. We'd had our big day out here and then we had our dedication. And, and I don't even know where he got the clips from. I didn't send them to him. Somebody sent them to him. And they were posted on his bulletin board. Here he is. He's in that same building that they purchased 35 years ago the end of this month. 35 years. But they're able to celebrate our groundbreaking. They're able to celebrate our dedication. So why? Because we're family. And when you're really family... I don't just get your troubles. If you succeed, I succeed. 
Your testimony is my testimony. If you do something great, we did something great. Isn't that wonderful? Man, that's the kind of relationship that if we can begin to, listen, if the church can get this, if the church can get a hold of this, and we begin to begin to realize, you know, there are people that are sowing discord in the brethren. You know, people can, people can leave this church, criticize it, run it down, talk about the pastor. Yeah, but we're still friends. I mean, I had somebody who completely broke covenant, lied, did their own thing, ended up, in a, ended up about to go to court over the situation. And, and one of my in-laws said, well, I don't believe in choosing sides. And that still stings. Wait a minute. I thought thought that me and you, we were brothers. I guess not. I told my wife something. I hope she understands what I meant by it. I don't know. She really grasped what I was saying, but... I told her, I said, the thing I love so much about Johnny, he was my brother-in-law, he passed away about four years ago. I told her what I appreciated about him so much is whether I was right or wrong, he was on my side. You know, I've always been one of them people, stand for what's right, stand for what's right, stand for what's right, stand for what's right. If you've got to stand against everybody. And so I'm not wired the same way he was, but when you got somebody like that in your life and then you lose them they don't have to be gone very long until all of a sudden you realize the value of somebody that's with you and it ain't about whether you're right or wrong it's because we're blood and I got your back even though you got yourself in this stupid mess I got your back even though I'd have done it different even though I could have showed you how to save your house or I could have showed you how to forego bankruptcy. If you'd have taken my advice, I told you two years ago what you should have done, what you could have done. If I had your kind of money, I'd be living high. But you see, I got your back no matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was my stupid mistake. It doesn't matter if I brought it on myself. He had my back. And see, in the kingdom of God, it's just like that. When, they, when Moses came down on the mountain, he said, who's on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? That's the question. Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on, not who's fun to be around, who's an important person, who makes me feel good about me. Who is on the Lord's side? Come stand right over here. And you that are not, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead because I don't have time for temporary relationships. I'm an eternal person. And even though you're harder to get along with, I need to figure it out because we're going to be together forever. Forever. And so if I'm going to invest time in anybody, it's going to be somebody that I've got to learn to get along with for return. I don't have time for temporary temporal doesn't mean we can't be friends to sinners doesn't mean we're not outreach minded i'm talking about the investment of deep and intimate relationship i'm going to reserve for those who are on the lord's side 
and those who share my passion for Jesus Christ. Even if it is harder to get along with them. <laughs> Even if they don't do all the fun stuff that I like to do. Even if they don't ride bikes. Okay, probably not if you don't ride bikes. <laughs> I want something deeper. And I'm going to tell you right now, this world's looking for something deeper. I said, they're looking for something deeper. They're searching for it. And the answer, I said, the answer is for them to be born again. You might have walked into this place today thinking, boy, I'd like to find a place to worship God or find a place to bring my family or find a place, amen, that's a nice church. But you know, the truth is you don't need church membership. You need to be born again. Church membership is secondary. Church membership is about aligning with the vision of the local house. But what matters, what matters is have you been born again? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you decided to give your life to Jesus, your past, your present, and your future to Jesus? Are you willing to take up your cross and follow him? Do you believe that Christ died for your sins and that he rose from the dead? If you can confess that with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you can be born again. You can be saved. And once you are, you are part of a glorious family, an incredible family, a family that we need to learn to love. How have you had to learn to love members of your family? Come on, let me see the hands. You had to learn to love them. You weren't born with the knowledge of how to love them. You had to learn to love them. That's the way it is in the family of God. Sometimes we have to learn how to love one another. But as we do, we create this incredible subculture. Amen. We create this incredible ecclesia, this group of called out people that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not isolated from the world, but we're insulated from the world by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. We become part of this glorious church. Amen. And as we become part of this church and we have these connections, these deep, lasting, and eternal connections, amen, we are fulfilled and we are satiated and satisfied. I know there's a book, there's a book about love languages and it talks about if your love tank is full. I'm just going to tell you right now, it takes more than a great husband or a great wife to fill the love tank full. You need brothers and sisters. I said you need brothers and sisters. Our former first lady wrote a book, said it takes a village. I'm sorry, but I don't mean to correct what she said, but it takes more than a village. It takes a church. It takes a family outside of ourselves bigger than ourselves it takes a church to raise a child it takes a church to raise mature Christians a real church with real relationships with real risk with real offenses with real healings with real hurts with real disappointments with real victories it takes a real church, but a real church raises up mature Christians who are soldiers in the army of the Lord, who are the devil's worth nightmare. And I'm telling you today, 
I dream in my heart of seeing, even after 20 years of seeing us deepen our relationships and make ourselves available and be vulnerable. And then only by the Lord can we be made. When Once you've been hurt, it takes the Lord to heal you and make you vulnerable again. Once you've been cut, once somebody's disappointed you, to make yourself accessible again without the walls and without the scars. It takes the, it takes the Lord to do that. But I pray the Lord would make us as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. And allow us to be vulnerable and reach out to one another and really love one another the way each and every one of us deserve to be loved and to be appreciated. That's my heart for this assembly. I refuse to let this become a concert hall. I refuse to let this be a place where everybody knows everybody's first name and what they do for a living. No, we're family. Get used to it. I'm your brother. I'm the crazy brother. Amen. In case you're wondering who who the local village idiot or prophet is of this house, I'm the I'm the village idiot for this house. Amen. But there's a room and there's a place for every one of us. I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask right now if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is not about your religious background. I didn't ask you if you were ever baptized in water or ever joined a church. I'm asking you today, have you confessed that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and that he is the Lord of your life? That's a transitional moment. That's a transform. Everything changes once you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Nothing is the same once you know that he has conquered death and that he rose from the dead. And so I'm asking today, amen, do not be ashamed. Every single one of us that are a part of this family, we have walked that aisle. We have made that confession of faith. I'm asking you today to search your heart and ask yourself that important question. Have you been born again? Maybe you're sitting here and you can say, yes, I remember being born again, but I have not lived right. I've walked. Then you're a prodigal and God is here today to welcome you home. He loves you, my friend, with an everlasting love. If God's dealing with your heart right now, I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want you to be distracted by anyone or anything. But right now, this is between you and Jesus. This is what we were singing about when we said it's just me standing here, Lord. Nobody else. Everybody else can fade away. Away from the noise. Just me and Jesus right now. Do you know him today? If you can't say yes to that question, don't leave here without taking a moment to see your entire future changed. Your eternal destiny changed in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye. Amen. If you're here right now and you need Jesus, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand. Would you do that? Lift it up and let me see it. Amen. Right now, as the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with your heart, would you lift up your hand? If there's a prodigal in the house, would you lift up your hand right now and say, I'm coming home today. Is there anyone? Anyone today God's dealing with you? If you don't know, and you are not certain of this as a fact, Don't wait another moment. 
Amen. There's nothing wrong with saying, I want to follow Jesus. Is there anyone today? I'm looking for that hand. Is there anyone? God's dealing with your heart. Amen. I'm getting ready to close this altar call. If God's dealing with you, you need to respond right now. Then let's everybody stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know. I don't know what you do after a message like that right there. Maybe just take somebody by the hand, if you would. Please let me pray for you today. Get somebody by the hand, even if you got to cross the aisle to, to touch somebody. Don't let anybody not at least get one person by the hand. If you got to move, move. That's okay. These aisles aren't there to keep us apart. I want you to pray for that person to the left and to the right of you, if you will. I want you to lift them up in Jesus' name. I want you to pray for them as you would pray for yourself. Amen. Our destinies are intertwined. We're part of the family of God. We are part of a family. Hallelujah. We're part of a family, and we're growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pray one for another. You don't know who you might have a hold of there, but the Holy Spirit knows. And if you'll be led by the Spirit, He'll help you to pray. He'll help you to pray. You are on an assignment right now to lift them up in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne knowing that every person in this room, you have them in in your heart and in your mind today. There's not a problem in this room that you're not aware of. There's not a struggle. There's not a financial need. There's not a physical need. There's not an emotional hurt. God, there's not a person here today, Lord, that is struggling with offense and bitterness today that you're not aware of it, God. There's not a person here today that's struggling with addiction, that's battling loneliness, God, that's battling isolation. But God, we pray for them today and we lift them up. And God, we believe you're going to move on their behalf. Open up the windows of heaven and begin to pour out a blessing that they're not even able to contain. God, every person to the left, every person to the right, God, I pray, lift the burden of their heart today. Let the Holy Spirit fill them, I pray, until their heart is able to rejoice and overflow, God. Amen. For in your presence, there's fullness of joy. God, make somebody full today who came in here hungry, who came in here searching, who came in here in need, God. Fill them today, God. Be that oil and wine that restored the soul, I pray. Holy Ghost, I pray. Quicken them today. God, those whose faith has been assaulted. God, those right now who have been, God, who have been cut, who have come here today. Boy, I just feel such a burden for somebody who has been cut and offended. And there are words, poisoned arrows that have been spoken against you and and your family. God, I remove those poisoned arrows, God. And we will not be bitter. We will be better, God. Lord, we will not be discouraged, but we will march on. God, we will not be deferred from that which you have called and appointed us to do. The devil is a liar. And we declare and expose right now his attack in the name of Jesus. God, every force and every foe, every spirit, every principle, spirit of darkness God spiritual wickedness that may be coming against your people right now we charge it in the name of Jesus Christ loose them and let them go we celebrate the glorious liberty of the children of God oh hallelujah hallelujah praise the name of the Lord just pray with me right now in the Holy Spirit amen as God leads you to pray 
God, there's healing in the house today, God. 